Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Just about every uh, public gathering place or, or public transit system has a department in it called Lost and Found. And the reason for that is, is because we have this tendency to lose things. You know, my son, well, my son has this ability to lose things, you know. But he takes after his dad, so I can't get too mad at him. It's just we have this, we have this propensity to lose things. I remember back when I was a youth pastor, and every year we would do summer camp. We would do junior camp and senior camp. You know, middle schoolers, high schoolers, uh, junior, junior high schoolers, and then high schoolers. And it never invariably, after a week of, of camp together, we would amass this whole pile of stuff in the lost and found. And so one of the things that we would do as camp directors is we would make every single cabin, every single camper, every single counselor, before they got on the bus to go back home, Every one of them we made file through the lost and found. And we had like piles of stuff on tables. We'd lay it all out so, you know, you could see it all nice and neatly. And we would make every single person walk through the lost and found and pick up whatever it was they had lost that week. And it never ceases to amaze me year after year after year, even though every single camper, every single counselor, every single person that was on that campground that week walked by that table. By the end of the week, after they'd all walked by that table, there would still be piles of stuff left behind. How did you walk by and not see it? It's yours. You know, like, I don't want to take home one dirty white sock, you know. I don't want to touch your underwear. Let's not, take your stuff home. We just had this propensity to lose stuff. Back when I was coaching soccer, uh, my son's soccer team, under 16 boys, and at the, I think it was like the, one of the first practices of the season. And, you know, practice was over. Kids grabbed up their stuff, filled, take their bags, you know, took off their soccer cleats, you know, whatever. All packed up, went home, and there sitting on the field, in the middle of the field, was this pair of Adidas sandals. Now, brand new, the really nice, expensive Adidas soccer sandals. Sitting there, so I picked them up, and I, I walked to every other team that had been practicing that day, and I said, anybody lose a pair of sandals? No, not mine, no, not mine, no, no, no nobody. The next practice, everybody was there at practice, said, did anybody leave their sandals behind last week after practice? Nobody claimed them. They were my size. So I got a new pair of sandals. And I wore that pair of sandals every single practice, just about every single game, the whole season long. And at the last game of the season, in fact, it was actually at our team party at the end, one of the parents of one of the kids comes up and says, you know, sometime during the season, my son lost his sandals. Did you by any chance find them? (laughs) Here they are. I gave them back. But I got a whole whole season's use out of these things. (laughs) I was reading this week a recent New York Times article about the lost and found department in the subway system, Long Island Railroad, and all these, and all the stuff that they collect. It's like every six months they have an auction of stuff that people leave behind on the trains. And it's amazing, you know, there's a usual assortment of things, you know, people lose their keys, people lose their glasses, people lose iPods and Blackberries and cell phones, you know, that's kind of the usual stuff. Everybody loses that kind of stuff. Coats, you know, whatever it might be. But there's also a box of unusual items that, that, that get left behind on the train. And among this box of unusual items that had been left behind, someone had actually lost a birthday cake. <laughs> now think about that, okay? They got on the subway to go down to the bakery. They bought the cake. They had the happy birthday put on it, you know. 
they put it in the box, they brought it back with them on the subway train, and they got off to go to the party and left the cake behind. How do you do that? They have found sets of dentures. Left. How do you lose your dentures? You know? Or worse yet, one of the half a set of dentures, you know? They have found crutches. But even worse, they've actually found artificial limbs. <laughs> now, you were wearing that leg when you got on. <laughs> How did you get off the train without it? <laughs> we lose stuff. We lose stuff all the time. When we were first married, uh, and we were our very first ministry position, we were living up in Oregon. It was kind of a small town. There were no malls around where we lived. And, uh, you know, the closest mall was in the big city of Portland, which was about an hour and a half drive away. And so when we needed to go shopping, you know, we would save, we didn't have a whole lot of money, so we would save up our money, we'd make this big shopping trip to the big city to go to the mall, you know, Lloyd Center, downtown Portland, and we'd go shopping, and we did this, we went shopping, saved up all our money, we had a whole list of things we needed to buy, you know, tennis shoes, blah, 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 a whole big long list. We went all the way into Portland, we went shopping at Lloyd Center, we bought all of our purchases, we went out to the parking lot, we got back in the car, we drove all the way back to Astoria, we got home, we opened up the trunk, and we had left the bags sitting in the parking lot somewhere. I remember them carrying them out of the mall. <laughs> but somehow we got home. And all that we had bought, we had left behind. Yeah, that's what I said. How come you didn't put it in the trunk? <laughs> we lose stuff all the time. And sometimes we're going to tell funny stories about stuff that we have lost. And losing things we can laugh about. Yeah, it's expensive. And yeah, we wish we hadn't wasted the money. But... When it comes to lost people, it's another story all entirely. Jesus told stories, told stories about lost things. Luke chapter 15 actually tells three of them back to back to back. We're going to look at just one of them this morning, the very first in this set. And the setting of this in Luke chapter 15 is that tax collectors and sinners, these outcast kind of people, were all gathering around Jesus to listen to him and to hear him. And in verse 2, it says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to mutter, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go out after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home and then calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in that same way there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. It's a short story. But like all of Jesus' stories, his parables... It has a point to it. A parable literally means to, to lay alongside. So he is telling a story to tell a more important story. And like all of Jesus' stories, he's got a point to it. And very often there is this turning point in the story in which everything hinges what will be done at this point in the story. And that determines the outcome of all of it. And that's the key point that he's trying to get at. This is a story on face value about lost sheep. But it's about something far, far deeper. It's about lost people. It's about God's heart for lost people. And the reason that Jesus tells this story 
is so that His hearers and you and I would have that same heart and that same passion. He tells the story to fire up our hearts for caring about lost people. Because that's the point of the story. How people get lost and more importantly, how they get found. Understand, all of us have this tendency to wander. Jesus starts telling the story about a stray. If you had 100 sheep and one of them strayed away and, lost, and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you go and search for the lost one? That's where the story begins. He's got 100 sheep. One of them wanders away. Now, this is a very familiar thing for the people that he's talking to, okay? It's not that familiar with, to us because we don't live in the agricultural society that Jesus lived in, okay? But everybody that he's talking to knows exactly what he's talking about because this stuff happens all the time. Sheep have this tendency to wander. It's what sheep do. Sheep are not the brightest bulbs in the animal kingdom, okay? They aren't. They really are. They're dumb. Sheep basically are dumb. I mean, think about it. You go over to Six Flags, okay, Marine World, you can go to all kinds of different animal shows, right? You can go to the dolphin show. Dolphins are smart. Dolphins can be trained. The trainers work with them. They teach them. They, they can jump through hoops. They can jump over, you know, high places. They can, they can carry people on their back, tow them along. They can find rings way out there and bring them back. They can retrieve them. Sea lions. Sea lions are smart animals. They can do all kinds of things. Killer whales are smart animals. They can be trained. You can go to an animal show and you can see trained elephants. Elephants are smart animals. Lions and tigers, they're smart animals. They even have a bird show over there. Birds are smart animals. Where are the sheep? <laughs> the sheep are in the gentle jungle. They're in the petting zoo. Because that's about all they can do. Stand around and let somebody pet them, you know? I don't even know if they have that anymore. I'm not so sure they could get, they could, they flunked out a petting zoo. You know, they're not even around anymore. Sheep are dumb animals. And so when he's telling this story about a lost sheep, everyone around go, oh yeah, I have one of those. <laughs> yeah, I know about those dumb sheep. It's also a very familiar metaphor that God often used to talk about his people. Throughout the Old Testament, there's reference to the people of God as being the sheep of his pasture. The Psalms are filled. Psalm 23, maybe the most famous Psalm of all of them. The Lord is my shepherd. See, sheep need a shepherd because we have this tendency to wander. The prophet Isaiah spoke about it. We all, catch that, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us, each of us has turned to our own way. That is a picture of the human condition. We all have this tendency to wander. And there's all kinds of ways in which we get lost. Do you know how sheep get lost? You know, sheep, a sheep doesn't get up one morning and say, I think I'll just get lost today. Okay? Sheep get lost by nibbling their way to lostness. <laughs> really. That's how they do it. They just got their head down and all they're thinking about is filling their bellies. And so with their head down, they nibble and they nibble and they nibble and they go from this patch of grass to that patch of grass to the next patch of grass. And they're not paying attention to anything else around them because all they're thinking about is filling their bellies. And so they nibble and they nibble and they nibble and they wander and they wander. And one day, at the end of the day, they wake up and they look up their head and they go, where is everybody? <laughs> we wander a little at a time. We don't set out to get lost. 
We wouldn't want to find ourselves lost, and yet as we wander down our own trail with our head down filling our bellies, slowly but surely we wander. The New Living Translation puts Isaiah 53.6 this way, We have left God's paths to follow our own. That's the human condition. We don't set out to get lost. We just start nibbling our way to lostness. Prophet Jeremiah talked about it as well. God, speaking through the prophet, said these words, My people have been lost sheep. They have lost their way and cannot remember how to get back to the fold. That describes us. We get disconnected from other people. We get disconnected from God. And one day we stick our head up and we go, where am I? He's describing the human condition. And the problem with that is, as we nibble our way to lostness, we don't realize the dangers that are involved in that. See, it's dangerous to get separated from the herd. It's dangerous to wander away from the shepherd. Now, I am not an expert on sheep, okay? But here's where the internet comes in real handy. I actually did a Google this, this week on, on sheep. And you know what I found? Sheep magazine. I kid you not. Now, I don't know what surprised me more. That there was actually a magazine called Sheep Magazine or that it was sheep with an exclamation point. <laughs> it's not just Sheep Magazine, it's Sheep Magazine. <laughs> but a very interesting reading. I found out a lot about sheep this week. You know what happens to sheep? You know what the dangers are? You know why sheep need a shepherd? Sheep get lost, and when they get separated, they find themselves away from the herd, away from the shepherd. They are more vulnerable to their predators. It's one of the dangers of being lost. When you are out there on your own, filling your own belly, doing your own thing, thinking everything's fine, you're in danger of the enemy. But other things happen to sheep. Sheep with all of their long wool, they haven't been shorn in a long time. In their wandering and in their eating and in their nibbling, they will get actually get caught in a thicket or a brush. They will become entangled, sometimes in the very things that they are eating. <laughs> and they will become so ensnared with that, that unless someone comes along and frees them, they will stay there till they die. Stuck by their own wool. It's quite a picture. It's also something else that happened to sheep. You ever heard the term, a cast sheep? Something else that happens to sheep is, they tend to be top heavy. <laughs> and sometimes they will go and they will lay down in a hollow. And because they're top heavy, they'll kind of roll over on their back. <laughs> and they got skinny little legs, and so they'll flail away and flail away, but they can't move. And they will actually die in that condition unless someone comes and writes them. And there's actually some, some theories about how that happens. Because one of the things that happens is when they get in that position, the gases of their stomach, because they're cud-chewing animals, the gases in their stomach will build up and they will become bloated. And they will actually die. They will eat themselves to death. That's what they do. And some of the theories about this, they're not really sure if it's the bloating that causes the casting or the casting that causes the bloating. It's kind of one of those chicken and the egg thing. But one of the things that they, one of the theories that they subscribe to is because it tends to happen in, in springtime, 
is that sheep are used to eating the stubble and the dry grass and stuff that gets them through the winter. But in springtime, the nice rich clover starts to grow. And so they make this movement to just a bare existence to a real gorging on some good rich clover. But the trouble is their stomachs aren't ready for that kind of a regimen. Their stomachs aren't ready for that kind of a diet. And the richness of the clover, the cut itself, will cause them to bloat and to become cast. They literally eat themselves to a point where they die. There's some pretty good analogies there. Because <laughs> we have this tendency to just nibble ourselves away and wander off. And we don't recognize the dangers of it. We look around and say, my stomach's full. Life is good. What could I be missing? I don't need anything. And what we don't understand is what we need is a shepherd. There's something else. Actually, Jesus talked about this. He says that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. But the thing that happens, now I'm not a student of sheep, but I am a student of human nature. And here's the deal. As humans, what we do when we're in this kind of predicament, we resort to hiding. That's what we do. At least the sheep is smart enough to cry and call for help. We don't. We hide. Because you see, that pursuing our own path that filling our bellies at the expense of everyone else, that thinking only for myself and only taking care of myself and only following my own path. You know what the Bible describes that as? Sin. That's at the heart of sin. And as humans, what we do in our shame and in our guilt of our sin, we hide. Do you remember the creation story? When Adam and Eve are placed in the garden, they're told, you can eat of any tree of this garden. You can eat of any fruit. You can eat of anything that's here except this one. And they disobey and they eat of the one that they are prohibited from. And they realize it the moment they do, that they've done wrong. What do they do? They hide. And God comes looking for them. And God says, where are you? Now, it's not that God doesn't know where they're at. It's that they have to admit that they're lost. And that's the problem of the human condition. In our lostness, instead of trying to get found, we have a tendency to hide. And our shame and our guilt might be the start of it, but really at the heart of it all, it's stubbornness and it's pride. It's what keeps us in hiding. It's what keeps us from being found. Now I want to just kind of do an informal poll this morning, just by a show of hands. And I'll just, I'll name off a few things, just we'll all wait and we can raise our hands together, okay? But if this ever describes you, if you have ever been lost somewhere and refused to stop and ask directions, okay, or if you have ever been in the wrong, you've done something wrong, but going back and apologizing and actually saying, I was, and you can't get that W word out, okay, or if you hate losing an argument, or if you hate admitting or complimenting somebody else because somehow it says they're better than you, okay, if Yan has ever described any of you at any point ever in your life, would you raise your hand? <laughs> Stubbornness and pride. Now, how many are sitting next to somebody who is too stubborn and prideful to have raised their own hand? <laughs> That's us. 
And it's the one thing that keeps us from getting found. David wrote about it in Psalm 32. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable and I groaned all day long. Finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. And you forgave me. Left to our own devices, we will stay lost. It's why we need the shepherd to come looking for us. It's why Jesus said of himself, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. The good news is that God cares about lost people. The good news of the story is the shepherd cares about lost sheep. And the reason that he tells this story is that he wants us to share his heart for lost people. It's why he tells the whole story. This is the turning point in the story. If you had a hundred sheep and one of them strayed away and was lost, dot, 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 what's going to happen? What is the shepherd going to do? How is he going to react? He's got a hundred sheep. One of them has wandered away, but he still has ninety-nine. What's he going to do about it? How is the shepherd going to react to this one lost sheep? I mean, this stuff happens all the time. Sheep wanders off. Oh, well, that's just the cost of doing business, you know. It's a write-off. I'll just, you know, come February, come April, you know, I'll just write it off on my taxes. It's just another, you know, sheep do this. It just happens, you know. No. That's not the heart of the shepherd. 99 is not good enough for him. The same as the story that we looked at last week. One empty chair at the banquet is not good enough. He wants every chair filled. He wants every sheep found. One is missing. 99 he still has. But it says he leaves 99 to go after the one. And the reason that he tells this story is he wants to personalize it. Did you catch it? Did you notice how he starts the story? If you... See, he's personalizing it. If you had 100 sheep and one of them strayed away. Because what he's trying to get at is, what's your heart? And sadly, the people that he is speaking to, the answer is, no. No, I wouldn't bother. I still got 99. Stupid sheep. If he wants to wander away, it's his own fault. He knows what's right and wrong. He knows where he ought to be. It's not like I left him. He left me. Stupidly, you let him go. It's his own problem, not my problem. That is the attitude of the people that he is talking to. That is the attitude of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The whole reason the story comes up is back in verse 2. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law are muttering. This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. That's their heart. They don't care about lost people. They don't care about lost sheep. And the whole reason Jesus is telling the story is you need to understand the Father's heart. You need to understand that one lost sheep matters. That's the point of the story. God wants your heart and my heart to be the same as His. It's not good enough for the shepherd to have 99 sheep and have one that is lost. That's not good enough. It's not good enough for Him. And if we are followers of Jesus Christ, it cannot possibly be good enough for us. If He is going to shape our hearts to become like His own, this is an area that needs shaping. The shepherd cares about the one that is lost. He cares enough to pursue it. God cares enough to pursue us. 
That's the thing. He doesn't subscribe to the little Bo Peep theory of shepherding. You know, leave them alone. They'll come home wagging their tails. No, they won't. That's the problem. So he goes out to find them. In fact, it says, doesn't he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? That's the whole thing. There is an intentionality about this. Jesus intentionally built relationships and friendships with people who were not considered particularly religious. Those were the people he hung out with. That's what he got in trouble for. And Jesus is telling the story said, because that's who needs it. The sad part of the story is there are other people who are lost who don't even know it because they don't have the Father's heart either. Jesus is saying, I have intentionally come to build relationships and friendships with those who do not yet know how to be found. And the implications for each and every one of us is the exact same thing. We have to be intentional. Because the truth of the matter is that the longer you have been a Christ follower, the longer that you have been a part of a church family, the less contact and interaction you have with unbelievers. The less contact you have with those who are not part of the church family. Statistically, it's the case. In fact, the general rule of thumb statistically is after about three years, if someone has been a Christian for about three years or more, they have no non-Christian friends. Now, I'm not talking about acquaintances. I'm talking about real relationships with people that you care about. Does that statistic fit you? I mean, people that you really spend time with and have as friends. See, that's what Jesus... The accusation was, not only does he hang out with these sinners, but he goes over the day out to dinner with them. He was building relationships. And he says, that's what we're supposed to be doing. If we have been found, now all of a sudden, the story changes a little bit, and we become the seekers. Looking for those who are lost. That's what he says. He cared enough to pursue us. And so the implication for us is that we need to get out there and pursue other people in love. We need to build relationships. There's a lot of ways you can do that. Some of the ways that I have tried to do it in my own life, because it's very easy for me to get so wrapped up in church and so wrapped up with my Christian friends that I have to be intentional about it. And whether it's being a part of a soccer team, kids' soccer team, or little league team, or, or umpiring baseball, or refereeing soccer, or, or more, more recently being involved in the yacht club and racing Thursday nights and sailing and, and making, rubbing shoulders with those kinds of people. That's, that's where I gotta be. It's being out where people are. That's the shepherd's heart. And that's what he has for us. And so you do that by developing common interests. Finding people that share the same sports, same hobbies, same thing. Maybe your scrapbooking is your thing. Get together a group of people that like to scrapbook. Maybe baseball is your thing. Hang out with people and go to a game together. All chip in and do season tickets. I don't know. You got friends at golf. We got a golf tournament coming up. Bring them along. Build relationships and invite people and stay with them. That's the whole idea. He intentionally goes out to pursue those who are not yet found. And then 
what he does is he carries us back in his mercy. Notice the story. Verses 5 and 6. When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Now that is an incredible sentence to me. Because I kind of got a reputation around here as not being an animal lover. Okay? It's not true. Okay? People think I hate dogs. People think I hate cats. People think I hate animals. I don't. I don't hate them. I just don't have any particular use for them. Okay? That's all it is. But we have this cat. Okay, I've talked to you about my cat before. We had this cat that was actually our kid's cat. Now, our kids are getting married. They're moving out of the house. They're not taking the cat with them. We're stuck with the cat, okay? And I'm counting down. How many cat years is it to me? Okay, how much longer? But one of these things does cat... Oh, come on. Give me a break. Oh, you're nasty. I'm not saying I'm going to kill it. I'm just trying to figure out how much longer it's going to last on its own. Yeah. Okay, so this cat, okay? This cat is an indoor cat. And, uh, and, and so, but, but he sits by the sliding glass door. He wants to go out, okay? So my wife is afraid of this cat being attacked. So, so we've actually got a leash for our cat, you know? We got this big open space behind. She's afraid he's going to get away and get eaten by a cougar. And I'm trying to tell her that you put it on a leash, stick it on the backyard, you're just setting the bait for the trap, you know? <laughs> but anyway... I digress. So we got this cat who always wants to go outside. And we don't let it go out. But every once in a while, okay, okay, we'll let the cat out. We put him on the leash. He goes out in the backyard. And this is what the cat does. It goes out in the backyard. It starts eating the grass. We feed this cat, honest. I am the one that feeds the cat, by the way. But it goes out and it eats grass. And it eats grass and it eats grass. And then we bring the cat in. And it comes in into the family room. And it, bloop, it throws up on the carpet. Not once, not twice. It does it all the time. We'll put the cat out there. We'll see he's eating grass. Okay, you're not coming in until you throw up. We'll leave him out there till dark. He won't throw up. We bring him inside. Blow up. There he goes, right on the carpet. We'll put him out. He'll eat the grass. We'll bring him in because it's dark. We'll put him in the laundry room where it's vinyl floor so we can throw up there. It's easier to clean up. He won't throw up in there. You let him out of the laundry room. Let him into the family room. Blow up. There he goes. Stupid cat. Now, when I read this story about a shepherd who takes a sheep and lovingly, and it says joyfully, carries the lamb home on his shoulders, I'm thinking to myself, this is quite a shepherd. Because <laughs> if it were me, in all honesty, I would probably make the effort and go out and find the sheep. And I might carry it home on my shoulders. But the whole time I would be grind- mumbling to myself, stupid sheep. Stupid sheep. How come you can't be like the other sheep, you know? Stupid sheep. Every time you keep going out there, you keep getting stuck, you keep getting lost, you keep getting cast. I got to keep coming out and get you stupid sheep. That would be me. But that's not the shepherd's heart. And he wants us to get that picture in our minds. But it's because he goes out and he finds the lost sheep and finds it in its hurt and its distress. And he comforts it. He puts it on his shoulders. And he joyfully carries it home. There are people in your life who are hurting. 
they are broken. They've gotten themselves caught in some thicket. They have overindulged themselves and they are cast. And the heart of the shepherd that he wants to impart to each one of us is that we go and carry people back. And we don't do it with a judgmental attitude muttering under our breath all the time, stupid people. Stupid people. I could have told you that was going to happen. If only you would listen to me, you wouldn't be in this mess. He asks us, he calls us to carry the loads of other people and to do it joyfully, with compassion, with understanding. Because the truth is, we are all those lost sheep. We all needed finding. And part of our responsibility as a church is to carry the burdens of other people. Even when they've gotten themselves into their own mess by their own doing. There's one more thing that he does. He celebrates our return. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I said it last week. I really believe that the church ought to be party central. The church ought to be the one place in this world where people can come wherever they are at, whatever they have done, for as ever long as they have done it, and find a celebration at their return. That we are people who are welcoming and understand that every one of us needed finding. Every one of us were lost at some point in our life, going our own way, doing our own thing, suffering the consequences of all of it, and we still have this propensity to wander. Every one of us do. Every one of us. But when somebody comes home, throw a party. Because he says, I tell you, it will be the same in heaven. There will be great joy when one sinner turns away from sin. That's the heart of the shepherd. It doesn't matter where you've been, how far you have wandered, what kind of a mess you've gotten yourself into. He comes and pursues you and he takes you on his shoulders and he carries you home and he throws a party. Last week I asked you on the bottom of your outline to write the names of three people that you love, that you care about, that you want to see Enjoy the banquet that God has for them. I got that same three lines on this outline this morning. They're going to be there for the next couple of weeks. I would like you right now this morning to think of the names of three people. Three people in your life who are lost right now. They may not be particularly bad people. They didn't go out to do it on their own. They've just kind of been wandering I would like you to take those people to heart and begin to pray, Lord, I want to help them get found. 
You found me. You sent someone looking for me. I want to do the same for somebody else. 99 out of 100 isn't good enough. As long as there is one that is lost, he says, we got to keep searching. Would you bow your heads with me? In a moment, we're going to pray together for those people on each of our lists. But this morning, maybe that lost sheep analogy relates to you. You've just kind of been nibbling your way from one pasture to another. And slowly, there's been a wandering. You realize you're far from God. And something this morning is tugging at you and saying, it's talking about you. You need to respond to this. You need to get found. Scripture says, the last half of that verse that we read earlier in Isaiah, the Lord laid on him, Jesus Christ, the guilt and the sin of us all. And in a very simple prayer, all you got to do is be willing to not be stubborn enough to say, I need help. I've wandered. I've done wrong. I've sinned. I need your forgiveness, Lord. I need the life that you have for me. If that's where you're at this morning, I would like to pray specifically with you and for you. So everybody else has their eyes closed, so you don't have to be embarrassed about this. But if that describes you and you're ready to take that step of faith, maybe for the very first time, or maybe for a renewal because you've been wandering for a while, but that describes you and you're ready to say, yeah, I need to be found. Would you just look up and catch my eye? Keep looking up until I see you because I want to acknowledge you. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. That though we may act very often like dumb sheep, you love us. We get ourselves into trouble. You come to rescue us. We make a mess of things. You forgive us. Your love and your mercy never stops pursuing us. And I pray specifically this morning, first of all, for those who have responded and said, that's me. I need to be found. Lord, hear their prayer right now as they admit their lostness, as they admit their sin, and ask your forgiveness. Lord, let them know that you have heard, they are forgiven, they are brought home. And for those names on our lists of people that we love and we care about and we long to see, discover the life that we have in you, that we long to see get found, discover the meaning and the purpose that you have for them. Lord, they're on our hearts because we love them. We don't want to see them lost. So this week, give us the opportunity. Open up, our, open up those doors and give us the strength and the boldness to just be able to engage in a conversation that shows how much we care. 
And if it means carrying the load for somebody else and helping them through a difficult time, even though it's inconvenient for us, Lord, give us the strength to do that very thing so that those who are lost may find in you hope and life itself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.